Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crescent Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing amazing. I know we're in a little bit of a weird time right now with the public health crisis going on, and I am going to touch on that just a tad, but um, before I get into that and the introduction of our guest today, for anyone following the antibiotic saga that I've been talking about in these intros, I wanted to give another quick update because I think it's just important for people to hear, again, how antibiotics affect our bodies so dramatically, and because I've been so intentional about really seeing exactly how these antibiotics are affecting me. Um, It's exciting to be able to share that because other people may not necessarily recognize all those things, especially if you take them regularly. So last week I was talking about how I wasn't really noticing any cravings, um, but I noticed a big impact on truly my mental health and just my patience. I was easily aggravated. And this week, I really started to notice cravings. And it's really interesting because I mainly eat a whole food plant-based diet and I truly don't have cravings anymore. And so this week in particular, I noticed I'm just craving every kind of junk food you could possibly have, like the worst of the worst. And right away when that starts happening, I know that the bad gut bacteria are really starting to take over because those are the things that feed those bad bacteria and that's why you're craving them because those bad bacteria really are (laughs) running your mind and saying this is what we need. So on along with that, this might be TMI for some of you, I actually got a yeast infection for the first time since coming off of hormonal birth control. Um, And I was reading that that is actually a very, very common thing to happen when you do a round of antibiotics because, again, just the bad bacteria has taken over because those antibiotics kill both good and bad bacteria, which allows those bad bacteria to just kind of take over and grow much, much easier. So um, with that said, to actually help with the yeast infection and the cravings, still doing a lot of probiotics. And I actually was so desperate with this yeast infection. I haven't had one in so long that it was so uncomfortable. I could hardly focus. So I actually decided to go do a 30-minute ionic foot detox, which was so amazing. I love doing them. Um, And for anyone who doesn't know, this is where you sit in a sort of saltwater solution. You put your feet in there and... um, the technology creates sort of an ionic current that literally is able to draw the toxins out of your body. And one of the things it can draw out are yeast and candida, along with heavy metals, alcohol, all kinds of toxins that can build up. And this is actually something that I would love to incorporate into my 
monthly routine as just sort of general wellness, but it's also an amazing thing to do in times like right now with the yeast infection when I know those yeast bacteria have sort of taken over and this is a great way to help my body get rid of a lot of those and give the good bacteria more of a fighting chance to overcome them. And I have to say, every time I do an ionic foot detox, my whole body feels so incredibly relaxed and I truly feel like everything is just circulating and functioning so much better. So highly recommend, um, I'll probably do a post on that and a full article on that actually because since I'm just mentioning it so that you guys have more information on that to pull from. But until then, definitely do some research, check it out online. I'm sure that there's someone in your area who does it. So moving on to coronavirus, <laughs> um, I really was debating, did I even want to mention this? How much do I want to talk about this? And I feel like it's important to mention, but I really don't want to be giving recommendations to anyone. I'm just not qualified to do that. So what I really wanted to do was point you guys in the direction of some great resources and then give you just a couple basic stats to maybe put your mind at ease a little bit. So I'll start with, I think there's two really great podcast episodes that anyone who wants to learn more about this um, from really reliable resources can check out. So the first one is by Dave Asprey and it is his podcast show called Bulletproof Radio. And I will link both of these in the show notes so that you guys can find those directly. And then the second one is Dr. Stephen Gundry and his podcast is just um, the, the Dr. Gundry podcast. And so they both have two episodes really breaking down the coronavirus, focusing on why none of us need to be panicked, as well as specific things we can do to boost our immune system and protect ourselves and our loved ones during this time. So with that said, a couple things to put your mind at ease. First of all, the CDC has reported that 80% of the people who get the coronavirus have very, very mild symptoms, almost like a basic flu, and some of those people don't even know they have it. So the other reason why these stats are so important is because there are many people who have it who don't even know they have it. So the numbers of people infected might not, probably not, are, are not correct. And the reason that's so important is because um, I think a lot of people are getting really nervous about how high the death rate is. And the reality is that that number is actually much lower, still still high and still cause for concern, but not as much as people are freaking out about because there are so many millions of people who just haven't even been tested because the symptoms are so light they haven't even gone in to get checked. So, and then with that, lastly, and we'll move on to the introduction, um, I just wanted to encourage everyone that the body is designed to fight viruses and bacteria. So if we really give it the tools it needs, our body will be able to fight this off. And I know, you know, the other concern is spreading it, which is why absolutely, if you think you have it, stay at home, limit your contact as much as possible. But, you know, the best thing we can all do in this time is to really focus on giving our body what it needs so that our immune system can fight this off as efficiently as possible. And so um, Dr. Gundry in his podcast talks about a few really specific things, and I'll just list a couple here quickly. But 
elderberry, vitamin D3, timed vitamin C release are all things that really help support the immune system. And then on the opposite side of that, we want to start eliminating things that really, really weigh down our bodies, create a heavy toxic load. And a lot of those, I mean, they're pretty straightforward, but processed food just puts a heavy load on our bodies. Alcohol, smoking all put a heavy load on our bodies. So I'm not going to be drinking any alcohol, not that I drink that much anyways, but not going to be drinking any alcohol, really, really trying to limit the amount of processed food I eat. Um, And then also light movement is really amazing for helping stimulate that lymphatic system to process toxins and get them moving out. And then making sure that all of our detoxification pathways are working. And so there's only three ways that the body eliminates toxins and it's through urinating, pooping, and sweating. So you want to make sure that you are doing all three of those every single day. And I think most of us don't have trouble with urinating throughout the day. Um, If you're having issues pooping, you need to be pooping at least once a day. So make sure you're really upping your, you know, your leafy green vegetables or taking some kind of fiber supplement to really help with that. And then This is why I think saunas are so amazing because it just makes sure that you get a really, really good sweat. You know, for people like me who even when I work out pretty hard, it's I rarely break a heavy sweat. So I go in a sauna at least at least four to five times a week um, to make sure that my body is able to detox a lot of the toxins through that pathway. So those are just a couple of things. Take it as you will. Really, I highly encourage you guys to check out those podcast episodes and just educate yourself before you let panic set in. Um, and, you know, I really wouldn't go to the media for that education. I'd go straight to actual doctors and experts in the field. So with that, going into today's episode is with Dr. Joseph Yi, and he is a holistic psychiatrist practicing in Pennsylvania. And this was such a fun episode. If you guys get a chance to check out Hit Dr. Yi's social media, he is so charismatic, really has a kind of no bullshit approach to um, mental health, psychiatry. And we really dive into how he became a psychiatrist, what led him away from conventional psychiatry. And then we switch more to his emphasis, which is on addiction and his holistic approach to addiction, why diet, lifestyle, and supplementation are so critical to really overcoming addiction. And then just some other really amazing, fun, um, holistic approaches to mental health in general. In general, So really excited for you guys to get this take on psychiatry and just learn from someone who is Again, so charismatic, fun to talk to. Highly encourage you guys to check out all of his social media and his website because he's a fun one to learn from. So with that, enjoy the episode. Well, welcome Dr. Yi to the Accrescent Podcast. Thank you, Leanne Lindsay. It's an honor for me to be on your show. And I just want to say that um, I know you worked really hard to get this show going. I know this is something that was in your heart for a very long time. So I'm so happy and thrilled and proud of you for 
moving forward with this because I know how hard it is to get something like this going. Yeah, it's so much more work than I ever would have expected, but so, so rewarding and completely worth it. So with that, can you give us just as much of a background as you can? I always love to share the guests sort of upbringing, where they're from, how they got to where they are today. Yeah, um, I'm a, a immigrant from South Korea. I came to the U.S. at the age of five. My parents and my brother. My brother's like five years older than me. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that my parents, we were actually like rich in Korea. You know, we, we, uh, my father was an architect. Um, my mother had a high administrative position for the military. And we even had like our own maid and stuff. And then for some reason, they decided to come to America at when I was five years old for better opportunities. But when we came here, uh, we clicked quickly learned that not everyone has an opportunity for even an opportunity. And they ended up uh, working as dry cleaners. Um, We were dirt poor uh, growing up. And now I have to learn a whole new language at the age of five. I'm, I'm, you know, very fearful as a kid. I don't know what's going on. And then the bullying, uh, being the one of the few minorities in a Caucasian dominant school system, Mm -hmm. that was, that was pretty tough, you know, growing up. So it wasn't a very good transition to America when I first came in here. But it was no, but uh, the reason why I mentioned that is because, um, you know, one of the big messages that I'm trying to get out on social media is to allow your pain to empower you. So instead of letting it ruin me, I figured out a way to use that anger or frustration or whatever I was dealing with as um, a fuel to allow me to move forward and, do some of the cool things that I've been eventually able to do with my life. So uh, it was, it was all, yeah, it was all a good thing. And even with my own kids, Leanne, um, it's important that they learn to deal and adapt to stressful situations. Very important lesson. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So now is, I don't know, and forgive me for my ignorance, but is South Korean culture similar to maybe some of the other Asian cultures where you're expected to be a very high achiever go into, you know, some really well-respected fields? <laughs> yes. Um, we're all expected to know how to play ping pong. So that's like a, <laughs> that's a fact. Your, um, your social media, it appears you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's every, Asian, stereotypically speaking, it's every Asian parent's dream for them, for their children to become like a doctor, lawyer, and an engineer, or a high achiever. You're absolutely right. So, now, was that yeah. something even as a kid you were interested in? I wish I could tell you that growing up, um, you know, I was like Michael Jackson, like wanting to heal the world and make the make it a better place. But that wasn't true. You know, I, just like what I was telling you about before, it's like all the shit that I went through in school with the bullying and um, my name is Joe Yi. So that didn't really help out with, you know, just a lot of kids making fun of my name. I hated my last name growing up. I was like, man, of all the things, like, why couldn't I be Joseph Park or something? You know, why does that have to be Joe Yi? Um, so I got a lot of crap from kids growing up from that. Um, but yeah, like growing up, um, the idea was not to be a doctor. The idea was to do something to get back at people who are um, being really mean to me. And it's mm-hmm. such a silly way of thinking, but I somehow believed that by me becoming a doctor, I would 
gain some respect, make a living and um, show these guys back. And again, I'm not saying that that's the cool way to think, but as a kid growing up, that's the way, that's what motivated me. It's like um, allowing my pain to fuel me to achieve. And I thought if I achieve something cool, then um, my life would be better. So, <laughs> so that's how that us- journey started. Okay. So now take us along the path of psychiatry, your experience with Western psychiatry, maybe more conventional psychiatry, and then how you came to shift towards a more holistic perspective. Oh, man. Okay. So I went into um, college and I studied very hard to get into medical school, right? But as I was talking about um, how I went into medicine for all the wrong reasons, to make a living, to earn some respect, because it was a cool thing to do. So I initially went to med school thinking that I was going to be a pediatrician because I thought it would be cool to become a children's doctor. But when you go into medical school with lack of meaning and purpose, the amount of stuff that you got to do to pass these exams, it, it was just too much. And the purpose and the lack of purpose wasn't powerful enough for me to overcome these exams. So what happened was I ended up leaving medical school for three years after failing a bunch of exams and I just did this and it's not from a lack of effort I just I did the best I could but I just wasn't getting the grades and um, I decided to quit med school and go into music and yeah so I was a musician for about three years trying to make into break into the industry I was making like techno dance music I was in a rock band and we weren't getting any traction and it got to the point where like I was in survival mode uh, where every night I was thinking like, how am I going to eat tonight? Like I wasn't making any money doing music. So I had to do all these like side gigs, like bartending on the side and stuff like that. And eventually through all the the madness that I went through, um, I just had a moment where I said, okay, like this isn't working out and I have to do something else. But what is that thing that, I, that I'm going to do? And I think it's from my own like mental um, challenges that I went through that it made sense to me to go back to med school to become a psychiatrist. And once I figured that out, now the purpose turned into power. And all the crap that came in my way in med school, it still hurt, but I actually had a reason to overcome it. So mm-hmm. that's okay. one of the things that I want to really get out to the people out there that inevitably in life, you're going to go through some BS. And um, if you have meaning, you'll figure out a way to overcome it. Yeah. Well, and that's a really powerful message and so inspiring for a lot of people, I think, because to have the courage to drop out of med school or to take a step back and just do what you were feeling was right for those three years led you to the path that maybe you were meant to be on. Whereas if you had forced yourself to stay in that situation that absolutely was not setting your soul on fire, who knows where you'd be? I. I wouldn't change anything. And at the time, like, of, you know, for the extended uh, period of time of suffering <laughs> and trying to figure things out, like, I would question the universe a lot. Like, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm not a bad person, you know? Like, why am I being punished or, like, suffering for all this? But it's interesting because those years of, like, going through so much pain, um, that's what I utilize to help people out. Mm-hmm. Not what I learned in medical school, you know? Yes, 10% of uh, med school was like useful. Like I know where your heart is, where your liver is located. I know how a bone cell works. Fine, but that's not really going to help you out. Um, What's going to help you out is my stories and uh, my ability to connect with the youth or other people going through problems and saying, hey, 
I understand what you're saying. And I went through something like this, but this is how I overcame it. What do you think? Do you think you can utilize that kind of approach to overcome your challenge right now? Got it. So Now, can you quickly, because I think this might be helpful, can you distinguish between psychiatry and what uh, just standard therapy? Yeah, a psychiatrist has um, supposedly uh, a psychiatrist should be able to provide therapy for clients as well. But we have the extra, um, I guess, the ability to prescribe a medication if, if needed. So a therapist is someone who can provide tremendous like insight and amazing uh, therapeutic value, talk therapy, but they're not allowed to prescribe medication. So that's okay. the, the main difference between psychiatrists. So I wasn't and sure if psychiatrists actually were trained in sort of the talk therapy. We're supposed to get some training, but I would say that most psychiatrists out there um, are not very good therapists. Mm -hmm. And I never really got like official training in therapy as, um, you know, some of my colleagues are are professional therapists. But my days of being a musician, my days of struggle, my days of um, connecting with the right people, like that's taught me how to think and communicate properly to get people from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. So I don't consider myself a therapist. I'm, I consider myself more of a consultant on okay. helping people how to think properly. Mm -hmm. And so you're in school to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> Was it during your time at school that you started to say, mm, I don't know if the way they're doing things is exactly how I'd like to do them? Or did it come maybe after a few years in practice? Every moment that I was in medical school, um, I questioned the system, you know? Um, and I think it's because of, um, like after being in the music field for three years and like barely eating and putting all these toxins into my body, body partying and doing all this crazy stuff. When I went to med school, I was like ill physically and mentally, you know, I did find purpose, but I wasn't in the best state. So by me taking better care of myself, I found myself to be in a much better state. And there was this course in med school called Biochemistry of Nutrition, where I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, we're going to learn about like health instead of diseases and medications all the time. Let's learn about wellness. And I remember the professor said, we're going to talk about fats today. I was like, all right, cool. Here's a triglyceride molecule. This is what the structure looks like. And you need to know how to identify this on the test. And then that was like the moment where I was like, what is this, man? Like, why don't you tell me about omega-3 fatty acids? Why don't you teach me like some healthy nutrients that are helpful to prevent illness and constantly talk about medications and band-aids for wounds. So um, that's, that was the beginning of me saying like, there's got to be a different way of doing this. And it wasn't until after I graduated medical school that I discovered this guy, Dr. Joel Furman. He's a friend of mine now, but I read his book, uh, Eat to Live, Disease Proof Your Child. He has a new book out called Eat for Life, and I uh, wish him lots of success on that. But his books is are, are what got me to start thinking about nutrients and using food as medicine instead. Because the body has an amazing way of healing itself if you give it the right tools. Mm -hmm. Okay, so even during med school, you were really starting to question things and start to create your new perspective. So now where did you even go for that kind of information, like nutrition on how to heal yourself? Because again, like you said, it's not something you're getting in med school. So you really have to sort of 
take it upon yourself to go learn that information on your own? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I don't want to keep bashing med school, but again, 90% plus of the things that I've learned to help you or um, people that follow me on Instagram, so on, um, my clients comes from just the university of life. Um, I watch a lot of things on YouTube. I talk to a lot of really um, intelligent people. In fact, I don't really consult with doctors much. I don't really find much value in what they have to say because it's usually about medications and procedures and that kind of stuff. But it's like, um, for example, your page gives a lot of good information on like some cool products out there that are helping you out. And I'm like, oh, let me research this. So then I go on Google, I'll research it. And then I have a couple of buddies of mine who are like, you know, um, like therapists, uh, holistic um, counselors and so on. I'll say, do you, are you familiar with this product? And then they'll teach me. So it's, it's usually like me connecting with the right people that's helped me help my clients out. Not so much med school. The med school only, um, and you know, our good friend Justina Sanders might have a different opinion on her experience in school, but at least for me, um, all med school really gave me was a degree and taught me how to endure an excruciating amount of uh, discomfort for an extended period of time. Uh, what I've learned to help people out is through life mm-hmm. and my own independent research, reading cool books. Um, in fact, there's a psychiatrist out there, Kelly Brogan, MD, who um, oh, yeah, I think she's, yeah, am- yeah, I she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. she's amazing. And she wrote um, the new book, Own Yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the big hit for her was uh, A Mind of Your Own. And I read that book and I was like, finally, like I actually have someone to back up my ideas too, except she just, so much cleaner and more professional than me. <laughs> she speaks very well. <laughs> I'm the gangster version of her. Um, but like okay. people like that, they they inspired me, and I learned mm-hmm. from them. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Furman's wall, and uh, I got a good buddy of mine, Dr. Michael Mance, who uh, who's out in Santa Barbara, California. I call him all the time to ask him about certain things, holistic remedies, and mm-hmm. so it's through connecting with the the right people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And can you really, can you clearly distinguish what is different between what you're doing now in your practice compared to what a conventional psychiatrist might do? Like, well, what's the difference between a session with you and a session with a conventional psychiatrist? Yeah. So what I'm doing here, so I'm based in Pennsylvania, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And what's revolutionary that I'm doing is I just ripped off the ideas from the West Coast. That's all I did. I just stole all the ideas from the West Coast because you guys, you're based in LA? Yeah, or, yeah. Orange yeah. County. Okay. Basically. No, you guys are, uh, in my opinion, about five to 10 years ahead of the East Coast. Um, you guys are doing it right. You guys are really into the holistic way of um, treating a human being, not just looking at like, okay, someone's depressed with the chemical imbalance. Like you guys are talking about eating right, sleeping right, exercising, mindfulness. Um, I visited LA a couple months ago and the scene is, very strong on wellness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so basically what I focus on here, which is like revolutionary in the East Coast, is focusing on the four pillars of uh, mental wellness, which is one must know how to sleep right, one must know how to eat right, and if you're not going to eat right, at least learn to supplement properly. Um, three is exercise the mind and body, and last but not least, connecting with the right people, because we all know that if we connect with a lot of toxic people, um, they could bring us down. But if you mm-hmm. connect with people who inspire you, you could they could help elevate you to the next level. Mm-hmm. So if we have those four things in place, and that's what I usually focus on before I even attempt to 
offer someone a medication, if people just focus on those four factors, I would say greater than 50% of the clients that are coming to see me won't even have to see me if they just focused on Mm -hmm. self-care. That's huge. That's so powerful. So then most, because as far as I understand, I've never personally been to a psychiatrist, thankfully, but um, as far as I understand from hearing what other people say is they go to a psychiatrist if the feelings they're describing sort of check off, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's like right away you get a prescription for antidepressants or (laughs) for anti-anxiety or whatever. And to me, I've never really gotten the sense that there's much um, processing going on or any kind of digging as to why do you have these symptoms? It seems like it's very much just like, great, you have these symptoms, you are depressed or you have anxiety. Here is the medication that will fix that. Exactly. Um, If you went to a psychiatrist, right, and you said, hey, I'm feeling very depressed. And the psychiatrist says, have you heard of Lexapro? (laughs) There's something kind of weird about that, right? But let's just say you drank the Lexapro Kool-Aid. And then a month later, you come back and you say, hey, I still feel like shit. And they said, okay, well, we need to go up on the dose because you have a serotonin imbalance. So let's just say you drank that Kool-Aid as well. The following month, you come come back and you say, I don't feel good still. They say, well, then I think we should try Prozac. That concept, that rationale of thinking is like so bizarre and ludicrous to me, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that all psychiatrists practice that way. But generally speaking, that's kind of how the system is nowadays. So that's why as a holistic psychiatrist, um, I want to focus on other avenues of healing. Yeah, sure. Someone could be going in um, to a psychiatrist and maybe they're grieving because their their family member died. You know, maybe they're eating donuts three times a day. Maybe they're sleeping only two hours a night. Um, Maybe they're just hanging out with really, really toxic people. So it's better to eliminate or correct those factors, then to just throw a chemical. Now, if someone is doing all the things that they're supposed to for self-care and they're still not doing very well, sure, maybe there's some sort of a serotonin deficiency. So we could implement a medication along with eating right, mindfulness exercises, um, connecting with the right people and so on. But I don't think that the medication should be the first option. And in fact, during my residency, when um, I, I was applying to all these residencies and I told them my ideas about how I want to use medications as a, as a plan B kind of thing. Um, they pretty much rejected me. So I got rejected by every single residency program except for one, which was at Cooper University Hospital in Camden, New Jersey. And the program director there, he was a musician. So he thought I, he liked that I actually explored and did other things while other people were not very keen on that idea. And, um, didn't want me involved in their program. So thank you, Dr. Wow. Dunn, if you're, if you're watching this or listening to this. <laughs> Shout out to him. Okay, so you really try to focus on when a patient comes in, you're looking at their whole life. Are they sleeping well? Do they have a good community? Are they eating yeah. well? What was the fourth one? I'm missing it. Um, I Sleep, used to say food, exercise. Uh, yeah, I used to say exercise, but now I kind of turned around to say, are you figuring out ways to stimulate your mind and your body on a regular basis? Because I believe, Leanne, that the best antidepressant for um, the best form of antidepressant or anti-anxiety uh, remedy is fun. 
if you figure out a way to have fun on a consistent basis, you shouldn't be feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a buddy who's big on Instagram right now, and he shared with me how he struggled with depression and he found basketball and his love for basketball, not only playing basketball, but teaching kids how to play basketball. And like when you see his Instagram, he does these little skits with kids and it's like funny, you know, but it's also very inspirational. And that's his antidepressant. That's how he's soaring in life. You know, mm -hmm. so it's absolutely critical as a prescription for the, the audience out there that they figure out a way to have fun on a consistent basis by stimulating your mind and your body. Hmm. Awesome. I love that. So now you really consider yourself an expert on addiction. That's mostly what you focus on. Is that correct? I do. Um, but with addiction, specifically, I focus on detox. So um, <clears throat> there are a lot of people that come in and they're um, dependent on you know, drugs and alcohol. So I do a lot of detoxing for them on an outpatient basis. But interestingly, there are more people coming to see me because they want to come off of psychiatric medications. Oh, and wow. interestingly enough, um, these psychiatric medications that we as doctors are prescribing are oftentimes a lot harder to get off of than heroin. Oh, you know, wow. like, oh, for example, um, you know, you must have heard of something called Xanax. Xanax, Valium, um, and yeah, people take that. They trust their doctors. The doctors prescribe them something that's a very quick fix. You take a pill, and within 15 to 20 minutes, you'll feel more relaxed. And I understand that that can be necessary. Like if you have a, uh, if you're in panic mode and you need something like that, sure. But they're just way over prescription of all this kind of stuff. And before you know it, people get dependent on it. They trust the doctors, and now like. They try cutting down and they start going through withdrawal. So those guys are coming to see me and saying, hey, can you come help me get off of this medication that just saw the doctors prescribe me? So that's wow. the bulk of my detox clients. You know, it's wow. a sad situation. Yeah. That's abs absurd to me that yeah. they're that hard to get off of. They are. They are. So and that's why when I found... Through, um, well, uh, walk us through why are they so hard to get off of? And I don't know if you want to if you want to focus on the um, psychiatric medications, or if you also want to touch on um, drug and alcohol addiction, if they're different, if, if they have a lot of similarities. Yeah, there's, there's some common factors, of course. Um, so how hard it is to get off of a drug is based on two factors, plus one, really. Okay, but the two main factors is how much you're taking of the drug and for how long, whether you're taking Zoloft or whether you're using Xanax or prescription opiates, um, how much you're taking for how long determines how difficult it is to come off of it. Um, so if someone's been using a drug for 30 years at a massive dose, that's going to be a lot harder to come off of than some other one, um, another individual using something for like two days for, you know, a, a minimal amount of that medication. So mm -hmm. that's the factor that I consider in okay. terms of helping people get off. That's the general rule, um, but the, the drugs that are being abused, that are controlled, they have a, the common denominator amongst those kind of drugs are that they all may work differently, but the end result is more dopamine in their brain, more dopamine release in their brain. So that dopamine gives people a sense of pleasure um, and motivation and focus. So that's what people are craving. They're chasing that dopamine rush. 
Um, okay. And now when you say detox, does that mean actually getting the drugs out of your system or does that mean more getting your system back to a state of balance so that your natural hormone production is balanced again? Yes, exactly. So when you're detoxing, um, you want to get the drug out of your system. But what happens is like, um, if someone's using a certain chemical for an extended period of time, so let's just say um, there's like an opioid epidemic in our country now, right? So uh, if someone's constantly flooding their endorphin receptors with um, oxys, at a certain point, the brain says, okay, these receptors, these endorphin receptors are constantly being flooded by these chemicals. So I guess we don't have to keep producing our own endorphins. So someone could go through detox, but after they detox, their endorphin and their dopamine production is like low because the brain's like, we don't need any more of this stuff. It was constantly being flooded. So then that's why most people after they graduate from detox and rehab end up relapsing because their dopamine and their endorphin production is very low. So that's why it's critical that people are sleeping right, eating right, because these dopamine and endorphin and serotonin, all these feel-good neurotransmitters are coming from the foods that you eat. You know, mm-hmm. a, Prozac, a medication like Prozac, for example, is supposed to artificially enhance your serotonin levels, but there's not a single molecule of serotonin in that. Adderall, which you've heard of, that's a medication that's important for, you know, attention deficit issues and so on. That stimulates the release of dopamine, but it does not have a single molecule of dopamine in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So where do all these neurotransmitters come from? It comes from the nutrients that you consume. So that's why when someone detoxes and they're underproducing these neurotransmitters and they're still eating like dog shit, uh, yeah, you're going to still feel the way you do. And when you don't feel very good, it's a natural human reflex to go back to the things that makes you feel better now, despite the long-term consequences. Mm, that's such a critical point. And so would you say that most conventional psychiatrists, they're helping people get off of these or um, rehab clinics, basically they're putting people in a situation where they just can't have access to it, but they're not helping get those hormones back in balance so that their brain isn't physically craving it. Exactly, Leanne. You hit the nail on the head. So that's why uh, my mission um, on social media, coming on to your wonderful podcast and doing interviews like this is just to bring awareness. I'm not even a nutritionist, you know what I'm saying? I'm a psychiatrist. I focus mm-hmm. on addiction. And I talked about like supplementation and nutrients because um, that's one of the key, key critical components of you giving your body a fighting chance to battle addiction back, mm-hmm. you know? So, okay. um, yeah. So when, when you've got someone who is coming off a drug, they're trying to detox, they're trying to get those hormones back in balance, what are some of the key nutrients, supplements, and also just lifestyle changes that you usually recommend? Yes. So it usually depends on the drug that they're coming off of. But generally speaking, the three primary neurotransmitters that you want to focus on is uh, are serotonin, dopamine, and endorphin. Okay. So okay. serotonin is that positive, that loving feeling neurotransmitter. And when people are lacking in that, they feel more anxious and they feel they worry more. They're more obsessive over things. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's re- uh, responsible for motivation, pleasure, and focus. Uh, endorphins is like an opioid. It, it gives you a sense of well-being. And all of these things can be triggered by um, exercise. 
or mindfulness, like meditation exercises as well. Okay. So that's why like okay. fitness is very important. But in order to create these neurotransmitters, you got to eat right. So for example, like um, foods that are rich in dopamine are like eggs, bananas, avocados, almonds, you know, chicken is, is okay, green vegetables. Um, and I don't believe that most people are eating enough nutrients to adequately supply the body with the ingredients it requires to produce these neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. um, so for that reason, I, what I do know is that it's very hard for me to force someone to, who's eating like garbage to start going like all vegan and going super nutritarian here. So I would say, okay, can you try to cut down 20% on the bad stuff and try to eat a little bit more like this on this list? But if you don't have time to even do that, take supplements. Supplements are definitely not a substitute for nutrition. Primarily, it should be nutrition, right? But if you don't have the time to eat all this stuff, I get it. At least learn to supplement properly. And so, for example, the um, some supplements that would be very helpful for dopamine production it, um, include probiotics, because these healthy bacteria in your gut are the ones, these are the laborers that actually take the nutrients and help put things together and send the dopamine to your brain and the serotonin to your brain. So we need the laborers, we need healthy laborers. So probiotics are key. Um, I'm a huge uh, fan of magnesium, B-complex, and um, there's a supplement called L-tyrosine, okay. which is uh, found in um, health foods. And the cocktail of these supplements help maximize your production of dopamine. Um, so okay. it's very important for people to take things like this if they're not eating properly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any any other ones that you would throw in there? Yeah, or I'm a big serotonin, or um, you said the endorphins as well. Exactly. So there's a supplement called DLPA, um, and then there's another um, uh, nutrient uh, tryptophan. It's an amino acid found in like turkey and um, also certain nuts. And these are the uh, the ingredients that your body requires to produce serotonin and endorphins, along with the B complex and magnesium. These other ingredients I'm telling you about help facilitate the transition of like tryptophan to serotonin will make it more efficient as well. So okay. it gets a little confusing because um, a lot of times when I advise clients to take supplements, the supplements aren't as fast, fast acting as a medication, right? Mm -hmm. It takes time to your body to adapt and adjust to it. But what most people say is that when they do comply with it over at least like a month or so, uh, they will say that the intensity and the frequency of their cravings, their desire to use the drug is lessened and mm -hmm. they feel more like themselves. It's like the, these supplements have fine-tuned their body now and they're thinking and behaving and feeling differently. Mm -hmm. So it's been a yeah. big help. Yeah. yeah, well, you're actually healing from within. You're not just treating a symptom while the underlying problem just keeps manifesting itself worse and worse. But okay. so now I have, there's so many questions I could ask just from that. So first of all, yeah. is there any brand of supplements that you particularly like yeah actually um <clears throat> i'm a big fan of uh thorn nutraceuticals okay. well, well before i get into that um what i've i've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on buying supplements and trying it out on myself and giving samples to my clients and getting feedback from them and um what I've noticed is that like you could get tryptophan from one company and tryptophan from another. You can get tyrosine from one from another and the way you feel is completely different. So 
So mm. what I'm recommending are high quality uh, supplements. So they might not be the cheapest, but if you're going to go for your health, might as well spend the extra couple of dollars to get the quality brands, right? So the products that um, I'm a big fan of are, are the, well, the, the brands are Thorn Nutraceuticals. Um, that's a company called Pure Encapsulation. I love uh, uh, this company, Country Life Vitamins, Doctor's Best Vitamins, um, and uh, this company called Brain Forza. And they produce like awesome um, quality mushrooms. And that's and just on a side note, I don't know if people consume enough mushrooms, but it's considered one of the six healthiest foods on the globe as we speak today. And I don't know if people eat enough of that. I certainly don't. So this company was smart enough to create these mushroom supplements to, uh, you know, you can mix it with your tea or coffee in the morning. You could just take the supplements. You get your serving of mushroom per day. Mm -hmm. um, super good for uh, your immune function, helping um, limit tumor cell growth. Also great for cleansing your liver and has tremendous mental health benefits as well. So yeah. mushrooms, oh, people. I'm obsessed with mushrooms. I do. Um, do you know Four Sigmatic? Yes, I do. Love Four Sigmatic. But I have, yeah. I do, they have this new like mushroom protein powder that has every kind of mushroom plus some ashwagandha and, but they're super, super clean too, which is why I love them. So yes, yes. Yeah. Great, great branding too. Yeah. yeah. So now again, because it's so complex, this is a lot of information. I want to make it as usable for people as possible. Mm. So the first questions coming to my head are when it comes to dosage, are there general guidelines like for example a probiotic is there sort of a general guideline you'd say for most people to take for probiotics or is it yeah. just so individualized you can't even give a recommendation yeah probiotics is just usually like the one serving size a day but you're right uh, when it comes to like tyrosine or 5-HTP or some of these other ingredients that I'm talking about that's the thing like <laughs> My clients get really annoyed when I start recommending anything more than like three supplements because um, it's confusing to take like I, I need you to take one dose here, another dose here. So they kind of forget to do so. And I had this one client who almost choked on magnesium. So she was very upset with me. Um, and um, actually, um, my partner, I have a bunch of doctor friends and I, we, we had this idea of like figuring out like how to consolidate all this into one supplement. So um, just to give your audience a heads up in about a, within the next several weeks, we're uh, launching a product actually called the Beyond Recovery Modern Detox Formula. And that's a, a, a supplement formulation where we combine like 15 different ingredients to one bottle to try to make it convenient. So it's like take one dose in the daytime, take another dose in the afternoon to optimize your neurotransmitter balance, but also we put a lot of ingredients in there to help cleanse out your system because mm -hmm. if you have a lot of toxins in your body, right? So say you're eating garbage, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then you have a piece of fruit at the end of the day. I'm sorry, but that fruit's not going to do much. You're overloaded with toxins. So it's not just like with toxic foods, but like the chemicals that people are putting into our body too. We've got to have a way to like cleanse out your liver, help clean out your system. So mm -hmm. um, it's a two-part product. It's something that helps cleanse out your system, and but also helps revitalize the mind. Mm -hmm. And is that something that you really are only going to recommend to people who are actively trying to recover from an addiction? Or is this something that people mm -hmm. could just take in general? 
it's it's a product that's um, that we created to help people feel better. Bottom line. Um, so whether you're doing well, if you want to feel better, great. If you're not doing too well, if you want to feel better, you can take this also. So there's a, and you seem like super healthy and super clean eater, but most people are not like you. And so, and not to make excuses for people, but I understand like if they're really busy with work and raising a family, like sometimes the thought of like really trying to prepare a healthy meal, that's not the top on their mind. So again, if you're going to eat the way you do, I don't have the power to control other people but I could at least try to influence them to be smarter in supplementation. So they don't have to buy Beyond Recovery. I'm just saying, um, I listed a bunch of companies that I think are awesome. And if you just need like individual ingredients, by all means, but learn to supplement well. It's, it's great to add to the food that you're already eating to help enhance dopamine production. I wanna give you an example of like, um, so Adderall, like I mentioned, that's a medication for attention deficit disorder, right? And it's something that triggers the release of dopamine. And what happens is like people take Adderall and initially it's great, but then give it a couple months and that dose doesn't give the same desired effect. So they have to go higher on the dose. They have to go higher and higher. And too much of a medication like Adderall, in my opinion, is very um, stressful for the brain. And instead of trying to force squeeze the release of dopamine, all I do is I lower the dose and I load people up on tyrosine and B-complex and magnesium and zinc as well. And in doing so, their body's able to produce dopamine more efficiently so that the Adderall can even do its job. So that's why I'm talking about like holistically speaking, like learn to do things like not from just one angle. There's always a different way to get the, the optimal desired effect that you seek. So if you're eating right, and then also if you're sleeping right too, and then you also hang out with other people who are super motivated. Yes. And take your Adderall with it. Great. But do it as a holistic remedy, not just like take the medication, just hope that the medication is going to do everything for you. Mm -hmm. Now, in your opinion, is Adderall something that is absolutely necessary for everyone who has something like ADD or ADHD? Or do you think that those are, again, just symptoms of an underlying imbalance that you can correct with supplements, healthy eating, lifestyle. Because th yeah. this is something that I wonder so much about is we're so quick to diagnose. You have this, therefore you need this. And my question is always just, well, can, can I cure this? You know, for example, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and mm -hmm. they said, great, here's your thyroid medication that you're going to be on the rest of your life. Right. And I said, that's not going to work for me and went on a whole path of researching all the ways that I can actually heal my thyroid mm -hmm. and figure out the underlying issue of why is my thyroid not producing the, you know, the hormones that it should be to function properly. Exactly. Um, I'm glad that you asked that question because um, I created a post on Instagram about a month ago, um, which I also posted on TikTok. And that single post um, kind of put me on the map for behavioral health, uh, especially amongst the younger generation. And I got a lot of shit for it. And that basically because I said something like, you know, maybe you don't have ADHD. Maybe you just really suck at things that you don't care for. So some people really like that and other people were hating me on that, but it, it definitely got me some attention. 
Um, so thank you for asking that. But yeah, I, I would say that there are some people who have really harsh attention deficit issues. I just don't like to use the word disorder. Okay? So people have these conditions where it's just very, very difficult to focus in all areas of life. And yes, I have prescribed these guys medications and they have done better. Okay. Now, having said that, most of the people that are being prescribed ADHD medications, no, I, I don't believe that they need it or they could benefit from a much lesser dose and they just need to learn how to take better care of themselves. And like you suggested, I believe that the body is constantly trying to communicate with us. It just doesn't speak our language. The language that it speaks is signs and symptoms and feelings. So if someone punched your shoulder really hard, your shoulder will be hurting. And that's a sign that there's some damage there. You might need to rest it and go see a doctor or whatever. If someone can't focus to save their lives, I would say that one of the things that you need to consider is the fact that maybe your brain health is not really there. And it's just harder to do some of the brain stuff that you're supposed to, that the brain is responsible for. So um, the things that I usually recommend is um, omega-3 fatty acids, at least a thousand milligrams a day of a good brand. So Viva, Viva, D-I-V-A, that's a very good brand for omega-3 fatty acids, high quality, um, very rich in EPA and DHA. So that's a brand that I recommend. Um, also probiotics, because about 50% of dopamine production is in your gut. So you want to get a good quality probiotics. Physician's Choice is a great brand. Um, magnesium, and, and particularly magnesium glycinate is a very good um, nutrient that you're, a mineral that your body needs for calming and energy and focus as well, and to help you achieve a deeper level of sleep. So magnesium glycinate, this brand, Doctors Best, um, they produce that and I'm very happy with those guys. Um, ashwagandha is an herb uh, from uh, Eastern uh, East Asian medicine, and uh, that has a very calm mood stabilizing effect. So I usually recommend that cocktail. And yeah, I've helped a lot of people with that without having to do any medicinal therapy. Now, having done that, and also if the kid has too much energy, like if you get them into a sport and that can work out too, but if they're not, in, they're doing all the things they're supposed to do and still not getting the results, Sure, we could always throw a Ritalin out there. And the other thing that I'm really annoyed about is like, why does it always have to go to Adderall the first thing? You know, Adderall is kind of hardcore. Like there are other ADD medications out there like Concerta, Ritalin, you know? There are milder methylphenidate forms, but then they go, a lot of doctors go straight for Adderall, which is the amphetamine. Adderall is the purest speed that money could buy. It's speed, that's all it is, mm. <laughs> just very pure. Wow. And why do we have to go straight to that? That's that's my question. You know, so um, mm -hmm. a lot of your viewers might not agree with me. They might be on Adderall themselves, and I'm just saying I'm not hating on anyone. I'm just saying that it, there is a spectrum, and some people can benefit from less if they knew more about how to better optimize their brain function. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, I think it's just it's so empowering and freeing because when I was basically told you're going to be on a medication the rest of your life. I just all of a sudden felt so trapped and in a way sort of betrayed by my body versus looking at it as, no, this is my body communicating with me and desperately trying to say, hey, something inside is off, yeah. but you can fix it and we can get back to normal. So I think it's so important for people to hear from someone like you that just because you've been given a diagnosis of something does not mean that you need to be stuck with that forever. Like at the very least, 
pursue a holistic approach, f- find someone like you, Dr. Yi, to take them along that journey and see how you're performing when your brain is as healthy as it can be, when your body is as healthy as it can be. And then if you still have issue- issues, consider other options. Yes, yes, exactly. And the other thing that I think it's very important for your audience to know is that we, every single one of us, has to be our number one advocates. We have to be our number one doctors. Okay. So too many people go in to see a doctor with blind faith in assuming that this person has the, our best of intentions in mind for us. And um, I'm not saying that, look, people go into med school, they, they all want to help people. And I get that. But sometimes they get caught up with life themselves. They're human beings too. And when you have like 15, 20 minutes, to see someone, it's kind of really hard to give your full focus, energy, and attention to somebody. So uh, what I recommend for your audience is to do your own research, become your number one doctor, and teach the doctors what you found out. There are some great sources out there. And um, if you could run it by them, and they might know something about it, and then you guys could do some sort of a collaborative uh, treatment plan, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, and I say that because a bulk of how I learned to help people detox and these nutrients that I discovered, um, I've learned from my clients, actually. They're probably my, my best mentors, my best teachers. I listen to these guys. I go the old school way. I actually listen to what people have to say. And based on that, I ask for their inputs. And then like we do the research together and they'll come back and say, hey, I found out about this kind of stuff. What do you think? I'm like, you know, I heard about that. Let me do a little more research. But what do you think about this? So it's like a, a partnership and it's great that way. Knock on wood, but I, I haven't gotten sued yet from anyone because they, they are actively engaged in the treatment plan instead of me saying, hey, I'm the doctor. You got to do this shit. I don't play that, you know? So I, it's great to have a team teamwork that. approach. Yeah. It's so unique and I wish it wasn't, but it really is because, and I've shared before, the experience even that I have had is the doctor sometimes goes on defense when you try to share information that you've learned or that you've found <laughs> on the web. And right away, they sort of get this, you know, guarded look on their eye, like either A, you're attacking me and you're questioning my knowledge, or B, you think you know something and you really don't. Even though, you know, I'm very confident that the research I do is coming from very quality, reliable sources because that's what my background is in. But it sometimes it's just so incredibly hard to have an informed discussion with a doctor because they're not really interested in that. So I absolutely love that you do that. And it, it exactly, it just, it continues the education process for both mm-hmm. parties. Hey, just real quick. There's a, a young lady who's still in my practice, right? So she had a long battle with heroin addiction <clears throat> and she came to see me after she overdosed. She died and she came back to life. Okay. So she came to see me. And, um, you know, I was very happy to see her and we talked about it. And then uh, we were talking about my health issues for some reason. And um, I told her that I was taking protonics, something to help out with my acid reflux. So she goes, have you ever tried uh, apple cider vinegar for that? And most doctors would have maybe, uh, maybe I'm judging too much, but maybe a lot of doctors say, hey, what do you know? You're a heroin addict. You just came back from, <laughs> from <laughs> ODing. So what are your words mean to me? But. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have this condition. What's going on with apple cider vinegar? She's like, no, it's just like this holistic remedy. She said, um, take two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar, mix it with like warm water and a little bit of honey, and just down that once a day and see what happens. I 
have not been taking any medications for acid reflux since. And I, and truthfully, I only did the acid. And truthfully, I only did the acid um, the apple cider vinegar treatment for about two months, and my acid reflux went away. And I recommend that to my clients. And thanks wow. to that woman that helped hook me up with that information. So mm -hmm. you could gain tremendous amounts of uh, useful information to help other people by listening to the clients. Yeah. So any specific client testimonials that you want to share or recovery stories that are particularly special to you? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're, I'm not even sure if you're able to. No, I could. I'm just trying to make it interesting because what your audience don't want to hear is Dr. Yi did this for me, so he's great. Like that's not going to do you guys any good. But here's here's an interesting one. Um, there's a client who came to see me, and uh, he was uh, uh, affiliated with the uh, Russian mob team. <laughs> so he came in and he said, "Look, I got a really." <laughs> You're attracting them in. <laughs> he liked the street MD thing. So he came in and he asked me to help him out um, to detox off of this uh, drug addiction that he had. Now, at the time, I didn't know that he was a monster, right? So I was like, okay, cool. you know. And we did our thing. And there was a moment where he called me like three o'clock in the morning and I picked up the phone and he's like, like this detox is like horrific. Like, uh, like I don't know if I can do this. And then I gave him this whole spiel about how he has to woman up because I believe that women are stronger than men. <laughs> so I was like, I you got to woman up, <laughs> stop being a wuss about this shit and just get it done. Okay. You could do this. Take the medications I gave you to help with some of these withdrawal symptoms. Call me in the morning. So next day he came to see me and he said, look, man, like I got through this detox. I feel so much better and um, I owe you, you know? So that's when he told me that he was affiliated. Right. And I was like, oh, shoot, like, I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, my bad. Sorry for talking to you that way. He said, no, no, no. I needed to hear that. And uh, he said, if you need anything, you let me know. So I responded by saying, like, what do you mean? Like, if I need someone to disappear, you can make that happen. <laughs> and he was like, no, no. Like, us mobsters, we're not bad people, okay? But if you need anything, you know, like a review, a testimony, a video testimony or whatever. So I said, how about this? How about you tell me? Um, what was the single greatest thing that helped you become successful with all your businesses? Because in med school, they teach you, yes, how to prescribe and all this stuff, but they don't teach you how to make a living, you know? So I want to learn from a very successful businessman how to grow a practice. So he basically said that when he was very young, he went through a lot of hardship and pain in his life. And at the age of 12, he had to work and do all this crazy stuff. And finally, like it was, he wasn't making anything. So one of his buddies told him, Hey, let me connect you to the godfather of our district in Philadelphia. So every district has their own like leader. And as a young boy, he met up with this godfather. <laughs> the godfather basically treated this young man with the utmost respect and just sat him down in the office and said, Tell me your problems. So this, this client of mine, when he was a boy, let's call him B. B told him, all the problems and how he was struggling. And the godfather just said, look, um, I need you to stand up and I need you to put your hands up into the air. And he did so and he said, okay, try to reach for the ceiling, try to touch the ceiling. And he was like stretching and doing everything possible to try to reach the ceiling. And he goes, I need you to just reach a little bit higher. And then afterwards he said, okay, 
you may sit. And he said, young B, this is what you need to understand. The universe helps those who reach higher. And it's only then that the hands of the universe will guide you, will touch your fingers and guide you to where you need to be. And this guy went in to meet the Godfather thinking that he was going to sell drugs or guns or whatever to try to help out his family because they were but poor. But this Godfather gave him uh, a very powerful spiritual message, which he didn't understand at the time. But he's explained to me. He said, Dr. Joe, it's interesting because so many people want to be successful, right? Now, success defined as in um, having an amazing quality of life, not, not measured by money, but having an amazing quality of life. Everyone wants that. And they try and they try, but then most people quit. And he's saying it's sad because if they just tried a little bit more, they might hit that threshold of achieving what they want. And it's very sad because I see this all the time with the younger generation. They try, they try, they try for six months, they fail, and then they give up, they quit. So he's saying what's even sadder are the people that um, focused on something for years and they weren't getting anywhere. And if they just tried for like one more day, you know, that's the difference that, that, that separates the best from the rest. So he's saying whatever you do, um, if you're giving 100%, give it 102%. Give it a little bit more and you'll get much better results. That's the secret to my success, he said. And that was the talk that I had with the guy about five years ago. And, um, you know, I think that's the best advice that I could give to your audience who are struggling. You know, if they're trying to get their health better, they're trying to get their, um, um, their financial situation better, whatever it is that they're chasing, I'm asking everyone to give 2% more because that little bit can make such a big difference in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, I love that you seem to have such a passion for the young because the, you know, the future is the young. Um, but I think what I would add to that is just that give 110% no matter what you're doing, but then also make it a point to go along a journey to find what absolutely, what I always say is sets your soul on fire. Yeah. Because we could be struggling and hitting a wall because it maybe just wasn't meant to be our path. But I firmly, firmly believe that we should all be giving 110% no matter what we're doing for sure. So. I'm not, hey, you could give it 110. I'm saying give it 102. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Just give that 2% more. <laughs> um, yeah. and, e- and even with like fitness, right? Like my trainer was telling me that um, like when you're doing your reps, and you feel like you can't do any more, if you could just do that one or two more, that accounts for 80% of your muscle growth. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a very powerful thing. Like that, that little bit extra goes a long way. You know? Yeah. So in terms of the younger generation, you're, uh, you're so great on social media and I absolutely love <laughs> that, but particularly on TikTok, I think you've tailored your message a little bit more for that younger generation. What are some of the critical mm-hmm. things that you are really wanting to communicate with younger people oh man so first off with tiktok uh i remember when my daughter first showed it to me a couple years back i was like oh my god is this what the future is heading towards like so i was i was kind of like saddened by it and a little bit disturbed but then um i was watching this uh seminar by uh, i attended a, a gary v seminar and he was really big on like hey you guys need to focus on TikTok because that's the future. Like Instagram's what's hot now, but TikTok is going to eventually take over. And it's good to at least establish a presence then for the younger generation because these guys 
five years later are going to be what's setting the trends for what's cool. Okay? So I took his advice and I went on it and I was shocked to find that there are so many young kids that are like super talented. Leanne, these kids are crazy. Like they're funny. Like I think they're funnier than a lot of these professional comedians out there. Their creativity and coming up with these like skits and duets, like incredible. And, um, the, the younger guys that are like doing their dance moves to the songs and stuff, like they're really gifted dancers. So I, I have been inspired by the younger generation uh, instead of being worried about them. Um, mm -hmm. However, I do think that they do need some, although they're, I'm certainly recognizing that there's genius within these guys. I don't know if they know how to apply the genius properly, you know? Okay. And so my passion is, to um, inspire the younger generation to think smarter and to um, help them understand that if you're not feeling comfortable, it's okay. You know, it's not always going to be comfortable in life and learn to deal with it, figure it out instead of having to just go see a doctor and take a medication to make you feel better. Learn to adapt and embrace pain and learn from it and move forward and find your passion. So, if I can get that message across to the young guns and they think better for themselves and make better decisions, that's, that's awesome, man. That's, that's the best that I could come, that could come out of something like this because by helping the young guns and anyone else on Instagram or social media or my clients, for example, um, it gives me a tremendous sense of fulfillment. And uh, that's why I do what I do with that. Yeah. Now, since we're, since you mentioned it, what are some of the ways, like you said, I think, my generation and maybe the generation before me are just very much known for, yeah, we don't want to do hard things or we don't like the uncomfortable. We don't have a very thick skin. So as you're saying, learn to deal with the uncomfortable. What are some of the ways that you would even encourage people to get better at doing that? Are you talking about things like meditation or finding a good mentor? Yes, but that's what everyone else does. They say you should meditate, you should eat healthy, you should do this, that, and the other. And everyone knows that, but unless you have a very powerful reason to, you're not going to act upon it. So if I tell a kid, hey, man, you should be working out because it's very good for your cardiovascular health and help you live longer because your father has a history of heart disease. So it's good to like start on that now. That's not going to motivate him. But if I say, hey, um, if you gain about 10 pounds of muscle and you do your hair differently and you follow this guy and kind of see how he's dressing, um, that might increase your odds of having a girlfriend that's going to motivate him to work out, eat better, take better care of himself and so on, right? So um, my pitch to the young guns is in order for you to have the things that you've never had before, to have that kind of lifestyle that you dream about on, you know, um, whatever you see on TV or something, you want that kind of lifestyle, then you must be willing to do things that you haven't done before. You must be someone who's willing to step outside of your comfort zone. And obviously when you step out of that, you're not going to feel comfortable, but that's the most powerful clue that you are headed into the right direction, you know? Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, um, I think you're amazing, but doing podcasts or like any sort of interviews, it's not like pleasant for me, you know? It's not like um, <laughs> I'm more of a one-on-one, -on -one, like solo kind of person, you know? So when I know that there's people listening to this, Coming to it, yeah, there's a little bit of like uh, feelings of uh, anxiety and stuff like that. But I jumped on the opportunity to do this because this is moving towards my discomfort zone on being on a podcast. And mm -hmm. thank you again for the opportunity. But 
uh, public speaking and things like that. It's not something that I love to do, but I do it because I know that that's what I need to do to get to the next level where I want to be. So. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And I think for me, at least what I've seen in my own life is as a hardcore introvert, I <laughs> I don't like trying new things. I didn't like change, but what I realized was not always running from the change, always running from the discomfort uh, led me to miss out on a lot of opportunities. And I just began to see the people around me advance or get the things that they really wanted out of life Mm -hmm. because they were willing to put themselves in uncomfortable situations, you know, um, email someone to ask them to come on your podcast. I mean, those are all things that are uncomfortable and vulnerable, but that vulnerability so often comes with it, you know, just such amazing growth and change in your own life. And so I've really tried to commit to doing the uncomfortable or at at the very, very least trying it. And maybe one certain thing is like, that was super uncomfortable and that didn't have any benefits. I'm not doing that again, but other things (laughs) might be like, that was uncomfortable, but you know, again, like having a podcast interview that I'm still super new at again for me is also uncomfortable. And gives me a little bit of stress, but the, the benefits that come from it far, far, far outweigh any uncomfortableness. And that's why I'm like really happy for you that you're doing this. Cause I know, I knew that this was in your heart. You mentioned it a couple of times in your post and the fact that you like went forward and made the jump, like seriously, standing ovation for you, Leanne. So happy for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I mean, this has been so informative. <clears throat> Are there any other resources um, individuals, websites, books that you would recommend to people, um, maybe particularly for addiction, but also just mental health in general that you would recommend people checking out? As far as for um, people who are uh, struggling with addiction or in recovery, um, my, my my buddy, Brandon Novak, he, uh, he's a former, he's known as the guy that was on Jackass, but he's um, actually earned my respect as a professional skateboarder and as a New York Times bestselling author. So he wrote this book called Dream Seller, which is like, you know, every chapter has like some crazy story of like what he went through and what he learned from that. And like really great read. Um, he's coming out with a new book, The Streets of Baltimore. So that's something for anyone who's struggling with uh, recovery to, to read for parents and for the young guns too. Very inspirational. He has like some really amazing stories and positive messages. As far as like learning to eat properly, um, my buddy, Dr. Joel Furman, he just came out with this book, uh, Eat for Life. And it's basically about using food as medicine. It's kind of like the medical medium, uh, but he's, he has some like really interesting ways of pitching to people why it's important to eat healthy to help combat certain ailments. Um, and as far as uh, another book, um, there's the lady, well, Kelly Brogan, MD, right? So mm-hmm. she has the new book, um, uh, Own Yourself. I just ordered that today on Amazon, so I'm very excited to to learn more from her as well. But she's an awesome psychiatrist who just has like so much like science backed um, claims to what she's um, endorsing here, and trying to get people to take better care of themselves and not just rely on uh, other people and chemicals to do it for you. So I love the spirit of her messages. Um, there was a movie um, called Medicating Normal that came out recently. It's a documentary produced by uh, director Lynn Cunningham. And she um, talks about, she's basically educating not only the patients, but doctors as far as like, this is what's going on. You guys are prescribing these medications that people are trusting you on. 
And these are some of the consequences. Not always. There's some people who do very well on meds, but we have to be more mindful that some of these medications that we're prescribing can do more harm than what we intended it to do for good. Mm, wow. Okay, those are super exciting. I'm going to link all of those in the show notes for people to find super easily. And of course, I will link you, your Instagram, your TikTok, your website <laughs> as well, so everyone can see more of the Street MD. Oh, that's awesome. Thank <laughs> you. Media. Thank you so, so much for giving us your time. This has been so expansive. Hey, man, it's an, it was an honor for me to be a part of your show, and uh, I hope your um, podcast blows up. Because you've got Thank something you. really awesome going. And I've always told you that, like, even when I look at your social media page and just seeing you here, like, you have this amazing, positive, warm, spiritual vibration. And um, I think more and more people are going to be in tune to that. And I think you've got a, something amazing coming your way. Thank you so much. That really is so special to hear. I hope you guys absolutely loved that interview with Dr. Joseph Yi. I felt like there was so much great information just about holistic psychiatry versus conventional psychiatry. So for this week's magnetic moment, I want to challenge you guys to go check out the documentary that he mentions at the very, very end. It's called Medicating Normal. Now, I couldn't find anywhere that you could actually watch it online. It looks like they're only offering... Um, viewings at certain locations on different dates, but the Medicating Normal website has so much information and they actually have their own YouTube channel. So the challenge for this week, the magnetic moment, is to go to their YouTube page and watch at least one of the little informational videos they have. And they're between like, you know, two to five minutes, so they're really digestible. But watch one of those. They are so informative. At the end of the show notes, I link the Medicating Normal website as well as the Medicating Normal YouTube page on YouTube. So it should be super easy to find. Just check out those show notes. The link will be right there. And I really am so excited to hear what you guys think from watching some of these episodes. So send me a message on Instagram, send me a message on my website. And with that, here is to another week of educating ourselves growing and applying this information to our lives. 